Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always amazing, very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And tonight we've got Mark Mallett with us, prophecy Hello. expert and musician, author, writer, and all-around good guy from Canada. Yes, it's true. There are good guys in Canada. Okay, with that being said, we want to start everything off with a prayer. Father, we turn that over to you. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father. And of course, we always want to thank everybody out there who supports the U.S. Grace Force podcast. Your prayers, your comments, your encouragements mean everything to us. We're four years into this, just had our fourth anniversary of this podcast. Very thankful for all the support we've gotten from you. Please continue to keep us in your prayers. Tuck a little prayer in your rosary, please, if you don't mind. And when you go to adoration, a little whisper to God for Father and myself and everybody behind the scenes, we can continue to get this message out to as many lives, as many souls as possible, especially with the amount of time and resources that we have. We also want to thank all of you out there who support us through the Patreon program financially. If anybody is interested in doing that, you can click the link in the description below. We always ask you to pray about it. And if you can throw a few dollars our way every month, that is a tremendous way, again, to continue to help us get the bills paid and continue to support this message, getting out to as many lives as possible. And tonight, of course, this is a very important message. It's about prophecy. We've got Mark Mallett with us. And Mark uh, goes back many, many years as musician, songwriter, author. This is a incredible individual who's done much much great work i should say i've in... been following you for years so oh yeah yeah we've known about you for a long that. time yeah yeah we've we've got a most wanted poster on the wall in the office of mark mallet <laughs> we've been wanting to get you on for a while <laughs> so no 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 so we're really happy you came on mark this is really awesome to have you and what a time to do it coming out in september now because we're going to talk a little bit about the the October Convergence, you and Daniel Connor just did a video on that. So we'll address that a little bit. And just in general, you know, prophecy skepticism, because it's really so true that people get kind of prophesied out. They get this, you know, boy cries wolf, you know, everybody and their dog sometimes will say the end is coming. And there is a correct way to look at these things. And we're not supposed to despise prophecy. We're not supposed to just cast it out because God works through it. And this, I mean, the prophecy of the Redeemer coming into the world was Old Testament. So there's prophecy that we need to pay attention to. And I know you're going to help us kind of break down the right way to vet all of this and just kind of discern some of this. But give us a little background about yourself. I mean, it's great to have you on. And I think our audience is, you know, those who know you are probably thrilled that you're here. And those who don't will be thrilled once they find out more about you. Well, I, I think the, the biggest thing is I'm, I'm a father of eight kids. And nice. that's... That's the thing I'm I'm just so proud of. I love my kids. Um, my eighth grandchild's on the way, so I'm. Uh, it's hard to believe, but I, you know, I, I, I'm still getting used to this idea of getting old, and uh, I'm, I'm not embracing it very well. So oh, I, I know I, the I, feeling, my friend. I do. Yeah. 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 I have no so, idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Father, always youthful with those nice T-shirts you got wearing yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> If we do, before we go on, we got to see that whole T-shirt because now everyone's curious. Father, yeah. what oh, I'm going to I'm I'm point us in the direction of this T-shirt a little okay. later. Okay, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna leave that as a cliffhanger for you. Yeah, but, yeah. Cliffhanger. yeah no, I uh, no, I I I'm a Catholic. Well, I, first of all, I started in television. I was a television reporter with uh, CTV Edmonton many years ago, and after they cut the the that television show and left nothing but news i had nothing to do but my music and so my wife and i and our eight kids we we um got into our we had, we bought a, a motor home and we traveled throughout the united states doing over 100 concerts a year and uh we saw more of america than most americans have seen and uh, just wonderful experiences to go out and evangelize and you know funny thing is right before this webcast uh we before we recorded someone sent a message to me and saying on uh, one of my websites, they said, hey, I'm one of your, those people who came to one of those empty churches where you gave a concert. And I'm here <laughs> now today, he said, because of that. And uh, so that's wonderful. You know, it's wonderful hey, to know where people can find your, your music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
It's markmallet.com. That's um, mallet with two L's and two T's. So markmallet.com. Yeah, and we'll put a link in the description for everybody out there. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how I started off. Uh, but, you know, one of the things the Lord said to me at the very beginning of my ministry, I just sensed him say in prayer that music is a doorway to evangelize. But that took a, a, a step um, in that direction a lot firmer in about 2005, 2006, when, well, first of all, I'd gone to World Youth Day when Pope John Paul II was there. And um, he had called us young people to become watchmen who announced the coming of the risen Christ. And he said, he said to the young people, to all of us who were there, he said, this is a stupendous task I'm calling you to. And, um, but I didn't recall hearing that. I was there to sing and I, I it wasn't until mm -hmm. I looked at the homilies much later. But in 2000, and I think it was six, um, I, I was playing the piano one day, one morning, singing this song I wrote, Holy, Holy, Holy for the Mass, the, the Sanctus. And all of a sudden I had this burning in my heart that I had to go to the church. And I it was so strong, I literally leapt up from the pew, from the pew, rather, the piano seat, <laughs> grabbed my car keys, grabbed my divine liturgy, which I was praying the hours, and drove to the church. And I got there, and I knelt before the Blessed Sacrament, and just from the depths of my heart, I just, you know how it says in Romans, the spirit cries out and groans. Well, I was starting to cry out, groaning from my heart. I was saying, Lord... Here I am, Jesus. Send me, Lord. Send me to the nations. Don't just cast my net just beyond the boat, but send it to the ends of the earth. God, here I am. And I was just, I, I don't know where this came from, except from the Holy Spirit. I was just crying out. And I, I think this went on for about 20 minutes. And then uh, it, th this kind of, you know, little storm kind of calmed down. And uh, I hadn't done my morning prayer yet. So I picked up the divine liturgy. And the, the hymn that morning was Holy, Holy, Holy. And I thought, well, that's cool. Wow. And then I started to read the readings. And the, 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 the reading that day was from, I believe it was Ezekiel. And he was saying, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. And I thought, what, what's going on here? Because suddenly my whole morning was in black and white. Hmm. The, the, the patristic reading then was Jesus speaking to the apostles and St. John Chrysostom was writing this and saying, the Lord saying, I'm going to send you to the nations. <laughs> and if you're not up to this task, if you can't put up with the harsh words and so on, then don't, don't say yes to, to this. Well, by the time I was done my morning prayer, you know, I, I was like, it, well, honestly, it was, you know, we, I don't like to say the twilight zone, that's dark, but it was a supernatural thing that had happened because my whole conversation was right there in black and white. And so I thought, Lord, you know, you've got to confirm this. If you're calling me to speak prophetically, Lord, to the to the world, um, you've got to confirm this. So I went home and I saw the catechism sitting on the table and I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm going to play. You know how you play Crack the Bible? You guys ever done that? You know, you, yeah. you pray over the Bible and it's like, yeah. you know, you, you open it up and say, oh, no, not that word, Lord. Uh, <laughs> you know, you keep cracking it until you find let's one. Let's do two out of three here. Yeah. <laughs> So I played Crack the Catechism. I opened it up right to the, in this 965-page volume, I opened it straight up to the section on, on the call of the prophets and how they're called to announce God's word mm. so that people may live it. It was clear to me. So I, I gave all this to my, my spiritual director and poured it on his lap. And it was, it was about that time, you guys, that I, I, that's when I realized that John Paul II had said this while I was at World Youth Day, calling us to be watchmen. And so I was terrified, but I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, my spiritual director gave to me, because um, he didn't have time to read the writings that I was starting to write then at that time. Uh, he gave me a wonderful spiritual director. His name is Michael D. O'Brien to oversee the writings. And uh, Michael's a, a, a prophet. He's a, a Canadian author. Many will know his book, Father Elijah, and other novels he's written. He's a painter. Uh, one of the wisest, most humble men I know anywhere. Um, and God worked through him so beautifully to help me navigate the terrifying field of prophecy. 
And I guess that's what we're going to talk about. But that that yeah. explains to you how I got to where I was. And I went into it kicking and screaming. And I know you called me, you called me, I think, a prophecy expert at the beginning. And, you know, I, I really just want to say I'm just a layman like everyone else who wants to be faithful to the Catholic Church, faithful to Jesus. But part of being faithful to the Lord is is a is not picking and choosing what we're going to follow with him you know we the, the classic cafeteria catholic as we call it yeah. but the scripture speaks about everything from the gift of tongues to the gift of prophecy and miracles and words of knowledge and yet i see portions of the church completely pushing that aside and intellectually i can't do that i never could i'm a news reporter I, uh, I'm skeptical. I need to get to the facts. And when confronted with that truth of the charism of prophecy and that gift in the church, I decided then and there, I need to listen to this and I need to listen to it with the church who ultimately has the gift of discerning what is prophetically true and authentic and what is not. You know, you know Mark, uh, I was listening to you and I was thinking about how um, right now at this moment in history, um, I think people are searching for the truth. Uh, thank God, because I, I think we've we've been distracted with our comforts and things. But I think what we're experiencing or what we're the challenges we're facing right now is calling people to go, what what what's going on, Lord? Or what, you know, you know, how do we discern this? What, what, what can we do about it? And and you mentioned too the the uh, um the divine office. You know, I, I'm, I'm especially lately. I, I've been uh, really um, struck by the vespers and the canticle of Mary or the Magnificat. Right, my soul proclaims the greatness of the mm -hmm. Lord. But but then it goes. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. Right. He is um, uh, the rich. He has sent away empty. Look what our Blessed Mother is pointing to right now. Really, the the battle that we're in right now, and, and the rich he has sent away empty now, just thought about, you know, the rich men north of Richmond, right? Mm. That's so popular right now because people are understanding what's going on right now. And there, there is a fierce uh, tyranny that's going on in, in this historical moment. And... What do we do? And I and I, what I appreciate with you, Mark, is that you've always remained positive and hopeful mm. uh, through all this. And that Doug, you and I try to do that too. Yeah. Uh, that you know they're not going to win, right? Uh, but at the same time, um, I saw an image once. Somebody showed a picture of somebody leaning on a shovel, and it says, uh, "You know, uh, God's not going to dig that hole for you, or something like that." God <laughs> gave you the shovel, but He's not going to dig the hole for you. So we're called aren't we, uh, to do something about it. Uh, and obviously the first place that we have to go to is to our Blessed Mother, to the saints, to our Lord Jesus Christ, and and pray and, and believe in the power of God. But, but um, we're facing that challenging time right now. And we were pointing to this October thing, Mark, and you've been tuned in. And I think that's what happens with grace is is that you just get more and more tuned in. I think it's because we get more and more hungry, don't we, for the truth. And you've been more and more tuned in with um, with prophecies. And, you know, we can be skeptical about these. But but can you tell us a little bit? Um, I, I know one of the reasons we had you on is because you're talking about this uh, Father Alavera. Can you give us a little insight into him? And if you want to go on from there with other, other things that are going on with prophecies? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, so, some of your viewers might be familiar with with another website. Um, I have my own website, which is thenowword.com. Right. But uh, I was approached by uh, Christine Watkins, who was the author of The Warning. And um, she yeah, was... I just watched a talk from her this afternoon. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she, we, we included her in some emails that were going back and forth between myself, Professor Daniel O'Connor, one of my colleagues, and uh, uh, probably one of the most versed people I know in the world in private revelation. He worked with uh, Father uh, René Laurentin, um, the great Mariologist. Uh, he's read thousands and thousands of volumes of private revelation. He's, you know, currently being cited right now in the case of 
Gisela Cardia, the media is approaching him on the, the case over there. Um, and so he, he's really a, a good, serious mind, Peter Bannister, and um, uh, very um, well balanced and so on. Anyway, we were exchanging emails and Christine saw what we were exchanging in the emails because we were including her. One day she says, well, you guys need to put your these thoughts out that you have and these these messages you're sharing to the world. And so she said, I want to start a website. Why don't we start a website together and do this? And I, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing with my own writings is, you know, I'm very, you know, I look at things from the, the standpoint of the early church fathers and then through the magisterial teaching and scripture. And then I pick and choose very carefully what private revelation or prophetic revelations I that might you know, supplement that. But with countdown to the kingdom.com, you know, we're putting out there these authentic, or I shouldn't say authentic because they're still being discerned, but very credible seers, many with a certain amount of approval or they've been approved. Um, and, and so we put them out there, but it, it, it's, you know, you run into situations where sometimes they say things that I, I wouldn't publish on my own blog, but we're putting it out there and countdown to the kingdom for the body Christ to discern. So it's been challenging for me because sometimes I just want to go, Oh, I want to run the other way right now, but, yeah. but I can't. And I don't because I know I'm being faithful to what St. Paul says, do not despise prophecy. He said, mm -hmm. but test everything and retain what is good. Well, you can't do that without sometimes looking at the bad. And one of the other things we people make a mistake with, this is quite a long preamble, Father, I'm sorry. But one of the mistakes people make with prophecy is we, we, we look at the seers to be infallible. And I will say to people, if you want an infallible source, I'll give it to you. Four Gospels, Matthew, right. Mark, Luke, and John. There's your four infallible service, uh, sources. After that, private revelation uh, is is a bit of a minefield, and and even mm -hmm. some of the great saints uh, like Saint Elizabeth, uh, and Saint Catherine, and others, there's discrepancies there, and there's things they wrote that that, that weren't right, and so we have to realize they're human vessels, and um, and prophecy comes through that human element of their vocabulary, their intellect, their perception. And how they perceive that and how they convey it can sometimes, it, it is colored or it can be a misinterpretation. And sometimes you see this, you'll see a prophecy given by a seer, and then they'll have an interpretation of it that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. So even they have their own thoughts. So anyway, that's countdown to the kingdom.com. And I'll just say to this before I answer your question about Father Oliver. You know, I, I have to, I wanted to just tell your viewers, the there's animated discussions behind countdown to the kingdom.com. I mean, we've, we've been accused of being prophecy chasers and, you know, we're indiscriminate and we just put stuff out there and it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, we have sometimes very animated discussions, very strong disagreements at times. And we, it's always respectful and, and, and good, but we, we're constantly testing the seers raising questions, raising the red flags that we have with one another. And uh, it's, that's all very important uh, to testing and discerning prophecy. So I just wanted to give that preamble. You mentioned Father Oliveira. He's a priest in Brazil. Uh, he's anonymous. Uh, he does. He, that's not his real name. He's, he's anonymous. He goes by that name, which, which to me is not a great thing. I, I think if you're going to be putting prophecy out there to the church, the church needs to know who you are. They need to be able to discern it. Um, and I think that's really important. So don't you think the climate is, is may, might have something to do with that? I mean, the canceling that's going on and, and, you yeah. know, just attack, 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 right. That might have yeah. something to do with it in this particular moment in history. Yeah, you know, Father, you raise a really good point. Uh, that that's something I never considered, and and that might be why, uh, why he's doing that. Um, your your own diocese, Doug, uh, you have your bishop there under fire, and yeah. uh, he's he's loved by us up here in Canada too, um, because of his boldness, because of his courage, um, I and I think his gentleness is is beautiful. Oh yeah, and um, and I know him personally, and he's yeah. he is all of that. He's very kind very simple, very gentle and not threatening at all. And he's just yeah. saying things that yeah. it, basically they don't like. Very mm -hmm. prayerful 
Batman too. Yeah, very prayerful. Yeah. Yeah, and he he's he's a bright shining star. And you, actually, Father, you're right because what we're seeing now is a lot of these bright shining stars in the priesthood um, are being canceled. And um, there's one priest I can't mention his name right now, but he's just been taken out of commission by his diocese. Uh, I, I I've promised to be confidential on that. Um, but we're, this is what we're seeing. So you might be right. Father Olivier might have been guided to not use his real name. Right. Um, but what we know is he of him is those who are close to him believe he's the real deal. Uh, he has mystical experiences, very strong visions. Um, I like the way he approaches things. He seems very humble. He predicted that Pope Benedict would die in 2022. And on uh, New Year's Eve, December right. 31st, 2022, um, the late Benedict XVI passed away. So um, yeah, you can consider that. predict anything. <laughs> yeah. We were talking before we got started. I said, every time I try to predict something, God does the exact opposite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to keep me humble. Same talk here. About, you know, I got to throw in there, talk about cutting it close. He predicts he's going to die and it, right up to the very last right, minute. Right. And you got to think, he might be thinking, oh, this is going to look bad if I get this wrong. Boom, there it is. Yeah. And it happens. That's amazing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a big risk. Um, I mean, I think one of the first things my spiritual directors told me in the now word was no dates. I mean, my spiritual director was unequivocal: no dates, right. no no predictions like that. Mark, uh, you know, personally, I think when a seer has something like that, I would I would almost rather see them, you know, give a prediction like that to their spiritual director, seal it in an envelope, and if it comes about. You know the spiritual director can come out and say, "Well, this was, this was predicted." Uh, on the other hand, if the seer, under, you know, the Lord is saying this and that He wants it out there, and they, they're being obedient, um, then so be it. Uh, but the problem is with hard predictions like this October or this or that date. If that doesn't come true, uh, generally the entire body of that seer's work is generally out of hand dismissed, which isn't really fair but it's also understandable that people go well i, I don't how can i trust you with such a specific prediction so times. yeah 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 it does seem like that um i mean we're we're not so forgiving when it comes to that and i'm really glad you made that point that it's not just you know the prophecies of of you know that might be off a bit here there the human element that's in there but there have been great writings from great saints that have been a little off at times in in context here and there. And I, I just think that's important for people to remember. Um, you know, the questions about different seers over the years, even the children of Fatima. I mean, how could these three little peasant kids get all this, you know, and, and they were put under such scrutiny. They were threatened. I mean, it, this is just, it's just tough. But we also have to think that the enemies out there trying to throw wrenches into the gears of these things as well. You know, and that just, that can really mess it up as well. But now Father Oliveira is talking about October. Can you break down the October situation? Because then it's not just him. There's another, I think there's a woman in, over in Europe that's that's saying something similar. What is being said about October based on these, these couple messages, at least, that are coming out? And how do we look at it the right way so we don't start running around, you know, the sky is falling type of thing? Yeah, well, well, Father Oliveira was given a message on June 17th of this year. 2023 and our lady allegedly says to him in october of this year a period of great tribulation will begin uh, and she says which i predicted when i was in france portugal and spain and uh, on these three occasions she said i spoke about the cause of these tribulations and i think um you might have mentioned yeah i think you did you mentioned that uh, professor daniel o'connor and i had done a, a video on this called mm -hmm. october convergence which you can find on countdown of the kingdom yeah, go but, watch it uh, it was amazing yeah. it's a great video yeah yeah so so uh, i mean here she's referring to to france la salette to portugal which would be the fatima um apparitions and to spain as well which would be we believe Garabondo, which is has kind of in a neutral position in the church's judgment. Right. Uh, but you know, I think that the striking thing about France and Portugal, and, and well, especially Portugal and Spain, those two apparitions, is that's where Our Lady spoke about communism. I mean, she said that there would be a great warning to the world at Garabondo, and that this would come after communism returns, 
Well, what's striking about that is that communism hadn't left yet. I think that was 1969 or somewhere in there when that message was given. And so the seer even said, she said, she said, well, when communism returns, you, you mean it's going to go away? And they asked the seer and she said, I don't know. She said, our lady just said when communism returns. Well, as we know, the wall fell and communism seemed to disappear, although in China, it really, in North Korea, it really hasn't. But what Our Lady warned at Fatima in, in Portugal, she said that the errors of Russia would spread unless yeah. we consecrated Russia to her immaculate heart. And we did the five First Saturday devotions. In a word, unless we converted and we turned back to her son and gave Russia to her, then these errors of Russia, which are essentially communism, would spread throughout the world. Well, right now, uh, you guys, we are we are seeing through the so-called Great Re Reset of the World right. Economic yeah, Forum. Right. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is a United Social Nations Marxism. affiliate. Yeah, they, they, right on their website, they, you know, you can read all of these things that they're planning. And essentially, they're using the pandemic and they're using climate change as the two pillars of the Great Reset. And once you get in to see what they're doing, they're essentially, this is communism coming with a green hat. That's oh, yeah. you know, green energy and all this stuff is yeah. de facto redistributing the wealth of the world. They come right out and said that much. Yeah. But uh, they're distracting everyone by calling all the wildfires and everything climate change. When, as we talked about right before the webcast, Greece, uh, Yellowknife Canada, Alberta Canada, Nova Scotia Canada, Quebec Canada, uh, Italy, uh, Kelowna, Louisiana, uh, all these wildfires that have been happening this year, all of them have been linked to arson. And now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think global warming causes arson. Hmm. So there's something really funky going on. We know with what happened in the last three years was a deliberate or an accidental release of a virus that has spread throughout the, the world, and it resulted in the most bizarre things happening. And Father, as you said earlier, you said people, you said people are kind of starting to wake up now to what's going on. And I, I really think this is one of the greatest signs of the times. There's a, there's a couple, and you can ask me if I forget the other one that I'll talk about it. But one of the greatest signs of the times right now is that people who were mocking me 18 years ago when I started writing about these things that were coming, and they thought I was a nutcase, and a doom and gloomer, you know, uh, all these, these labels they gave me, they're now starting to look at things and go, wow, something weird's going on, something wild is happening in the world. And people who tuned out what I was writing about years ago have now started to read this stuff and they're they're writing and saying I'm, i've gone through a huge conversion i'm awake now there's something going on i can see it none of this is making sense but the messages from our lady and our lord are making sense mm -hmm. and uh well we're i mean we're seeing saint paul conversions through through the ministry of the and, and countdown to the kingdom so that to me is one of the big signs of the times when you get the the real cynics and the skeptical people out there starting to say, okay, something's, something's going on here. And now they're starting to repeat what I'm saying and others have been saying and, and republishing these things and putting them out there. So, right. yeah. So, so, so what, what father was saying is that our lady told him that October was going to be the beginning of some serious tribulation. Yeah, it's not going to come with a bang. I think it's said in there in the prophecy. Yeah, she said this period will not come with a bang, but will be gradual and will spread slowly throughout the world. The war that has started will increase, as you have already seen. There will be droughts, great storms, and earthquakes in many places of the world. Um, as my son said, though, she said, when you hear these rumors, do not be afraid. So, uh, and then she goes on to speak about, you know, many of the things that the remedies that she's given through many apparitions, the scapular, her miraculous medal and so on. But, you know, it, it's interesting. Now, let me just be uh, critical, take a critical position on this message for a moment, because I, I think that we've already gone through the beginning of these labor pains, as I would call them, right. with what happened the last three years, the closing mm -hmm. of our churches. Right. nearly universally across the church was 
unprecedented. And you know, many people have not come back to church because the message sent to them by their bishops was the, the Eucharist is not essential. Right. It, you, you Marijuana don't need the Eucharist. is, but not the Eucharist. Yeah. yeah. Al alcohol, the, the liquor stores in Canada stayed open, as did the abortuaries, but the churches all closed. Right. And that's the message we sent to people. No, no, you can just watch mass on TV at home. You'll get, uh, you can do a spiritual communion. You, you, you know, I, I could, I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I, I tried to do it and we would do it with our family. But to me, it was like, no, no. I mean, and I, I don't get me wrong. I love our evangelical brothers and sisters, but I was like, that's evangelicalism where you, you, you do this spiritual communion thing mm -hmm. as Catholics. We believe in the true flesh the true body and blood of Christ. And we've got martyrs in the church who died bringing the Eucharist to people. Right. We, we have priests who died on the battlefield, crawling their way across, right. you know, a battlefield with gunshots to give people the last rites. And during that whole episode of this pandemic, there were literally priests hiding in their rectories, terrified to go out. And so something weird has happened a, and so a very I good think... friend i vacationed with for 35 years died mm. during that lockdown and mm. i couldn't go to his funeral you know i mean just it's so yeah <laughs> yeah i've got a friend who um in in edmonton and she sat in her car and watched her dad die on an ipad in the hospital you know steps from her oh. they wouldn't let her in to see her dad uh, yeah, I mean, the, the abuses that have happened to me constitute already the beginning of great tribulations. But here Our Lady seems to be saying in October of this year, 2023, a period of great tribulations will begin. They won't begin with a big bang. So, uh, you know, I'm not even sure how to discern that because we're already seeing great storms oh, yeah. flooding throughout the world. We're seeing earthquakes now uh, um, all over the place. The ring of fire seems to be waking up. Droughts is ha are already happening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's hard to know how to, to receive this message. She does say to him, though, on October 13th, I will give you a sign as you asked me to do. And this is why I've shown you this date. She says that to him. Now, is, is that a sign just for this priest, Father Oliveira? Is it a sign for the world? Uh, it's not clear from that. So, and, and um, Mark, there was there was another there was a woman. Is there not a woman in Europe? I think who's received something similar about October. Yeah, there's another seer uh, in uh, Australia. Uh, Australia, okay. Yeah, Valentina Papania is her okay. name. She also received a message. Our Lady saying something's coming this October. And so we did this web webcast based on that. Mm -hmm. And then someone contacted me and said, Sandra Abrahams uh, has also received a message that this coming October, something serious is happening. Now, I got to tell you about Sandra. This is a woman who died in 1970. She died on the operating table, went to heaven, to hell, to purgatory, and returned. And, and now she's been telling people all about this but one of the the mystical things that happens around her is the manifestation of feathers ain't she says they're angel feathers they're little white feathers I, i've got one sitting here and because i had a private meeting with her in a hotel room uh in this little office and she's sitting there about five feet from me and i'm talking to her and she opens up her purse to get her rosary out, and this, there's feathers in there. And she says, oh, this happens all the time. And she says, it's it's kind of funny how the angels do this. Now, I'm the skeptical news reporter sitting there going, well, she could have put those feathers in there. When all of a sudden, to my right, this, this feather, you can see it right here, this feather falls down right beside me onto my lap. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, there's no way. There's nobody else in the room. This could not have happened. There's either two sources for it. It either came from heaven or it came from the other place. Yeah. I have no other rational explanation. Wow. So I called Sandra two weeks ago and I interviewed her um, as we're doing now. And as it turned out, there's no audio on the recording. Wouldn't you mm. know it? But this is what Sandra told me is that the Lord showed her this coming October that he said fire would fall that there would be fire coming from the earth. Um, she asked him what that meant. And he said, I'll, I'll explain it to you later. Uh, 
Um, and she said she, there was concerns she had about something that was coming in the Vatican that would be very distressful and also concerns about war. And so, again, here's a, here's another seer, uh, you know, suggesting and what she's saying sounds more like something coming with a big bang. So, you know, here you see how we get these discrepancies in prophecy. Right. It makes it kind of hard sometimes to really know what to do with it. To which I say, well, what do you do with it other than right now, make sure you're in a state of grace. And, you know, it's it's a little bit overused, the whole idea. You hear it in homilies a lot. You know, Father, I'm, I'm sure that you're you're more bold, but you hear it a lot in homilies. People say, well, why worry about the end times or these prophecies? Because you might die tonight. Hmm. But there's wisdom in that. There's really true wisdom in that. And so I just look at those prophecies and I go, well, I don't know. They, they may come about. They may not. We've right. been given a heads up from heaven. And, and the Lord does this so that we're not taken by surprise. And right. that's what he told the apostles when they asked him about the end times. He went, you know, he didn't just, you know, what's interesting is the Lord didn't start, he stopped telling parables and he just got right down to it. He said, well, there'll be earthquakes and famines and wars from place to place and false prophets will arise. Mm. And one of the chief signs of the times, this is the second one, is that the love of many will grow cold. And we're seeing this on a massive scale right now throughout the world. So did, did Jesus say anything when he talked about earthquakes and famines and this sort of, did he say anything in there about, and some people will blame this on global climate change or global warming? Was that thrown in there somewhere? Because that's, because that's what they do. And that's what they're going to continue to do. They did this. Yeah. Look that up for you. Could you mark? I want to see if that's actually in there. They did that with the Maui fire that took place in Hawaii. I mean, some on, on the left Democrats and such were coming out saying, this is this is climate change. This is what's going on, and we've got to save it. This is going to continue. And then it came out that, well, it looked like the power company just had some problems with some transformers that blew up and wires that fell. And a friend of ours, Jason Jones, who's from Hawaii, who's been on the podcast before with us, you know, he is he, he I talked with him on the phone. He's over there right now doing relief work. And he even said, no, he said, he said that the conspiracy of all this is that this is right in front of us. This was it was a man-made problem. But they blame it on this all the time. And that's how they, again, push their policies and agenda worldwide. Yeah. Um, I would ask this too, Mark, you, you know, you could address this a little bit. Um, are you familiar? I mean, I know you've got to be, but more people are seeing things like the miracle of the sun. And I, we talked earlier on the phone and I told you that, and we made this public before we had Father Jim Blunt on. And I, I started seeing the miracle of the sun like 20 years ago. And it was like once every six months, maybe. All right. And now I'm seeing it like three or four times a week. And it, there's no, nothing clear as to why. And, and I'm not, like, I am not the guy that should be seeing the miracle of the sun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like anybody else out there. I need to get in that confessional, you know, every couple of weeks, every week. I probably get in there every day. But my point is, this is unusual. And I don't, I don't get any, any clear message with it. There's colors coming off of it at times. Every now and then it's red. I've never seen red over any of these last years until the last few months. Hmm. And there's red color that comes off and sometimes it'll bump the earth and bounce back up. We brought this up with Father Jim Blunt when he was on uh, the podcast with us a while back. And he talked about how the cadence is picking up like a drummer, you know, that boom, 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 before the crescendo and a big cymbal crash. And he seems to think that God is working in rhythm and allowing more people to have these little miracles, these little instances as a way of saying to more people, this is coming out. Now, I never talked about this publicly, hardly at all, until when Father Jim was on, we talked before the program, and I asked him if he thought I should bring it up. And and he seemed to think that it would be a good idea to do so, because he says he's hearing this sort of thing from a lot of people. Are you getting anything like that from others, that more people are getting even little hints, little something from a gut feeling that's increasing to signs of some sort as if God is trying to wake up more people to this time that we're in and that something is, is moving a certain direction here. Yeah. I mean, it is less signs of wonders, although I know that's happening, but more so people waking up uh, in their hearts. Like inside. God is stirring them. Yeah. And it's not just Christians. Interestingly, it's agnostics mm. and others. Some of the people who are most awake today that I've met and talked to are, um, are people who are sometimes not Christians. And it's interesting. Hmm. During the whole pandemic, we started hearing uh, some of the top scientists out there, the ones who were canceled, 
but but their top scientists begin to speak about things in supernatural terms like mike yeadon for instance hmm. former vice president of pfizer you know saying you know it's not like me to talk about this he says but you know i think we're standing at the gates of hell uh father sushrit bakhti award-winning microbiologist and so on you know he said he, he thought we were confronting satan and and other scientists who are starting to speak in in more uh existential terms and, and supernatural terms as they're starting to realize there's something much bigger that they cannot explain with their compasses and their their lab equipment or anything there's something else going on and i think that's god's mercy that is waking them mm. up to this right. Right. um you know, to answer your question, you asked me earlier about global, you know, did Jesus talk about climate change and global warming? You know what? He did. Um, and I don't mean this uh, in a literal sense, but, you know, one of the things that the Lord has kind of whispered in my heart to me through the now word is what he spoke about in Matthew 24 and the se the seven seals in Revelation, particularly the last six, rather. These are man-made and once you start to understand that these tribulations that are coming are mostly man-made, right. that it's not it's not God doing it, mm. but famines and plagues and wars and yes, even earthquakes. Uh, you know, we we go back into 50, 60 years ago, they were generating small earthquakes. Um, we have equipment today that can I think can create resonant frequencies. That might be able to create earthquakes on a smaller scale. Uh, it, it's been alleged that maybe the ones in Churchill, New Zealand, were possibly man-made earthquakes. So uh, we we just don't know. I mean, these technologies exist, but right now what we're seeing is you know, they're talking about famine. The very people who were responsible for shutting down, uh, locking us down, ruining the supply chains destroying businesses mm. then got onto television a year later and said oh dear now we've got some sh shortages and um now we have a global warming problem and now we're going to call cattle and now we're going to cut back fertilizer and oh dear there's going to be a famine i mean you can't make this stuff up yeah. uh it's man-made what's coming and these guys are getting so bold like the devil himself that he's no longer hiding himself is is servant of god catherine Torty once said in a letter to thomas merton she says it seems to me she says the devil is no longer hiding himself and that was back in the oh. 60s mm, right. and we're seeing that today yeah. well it's because it's because we've gotten weak we've gotten distracted we yeah. started worshiping our own idols you know our creature comforts and all everything that we put ahead of god um i think in the church you know we 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 got lax in the way that we worship God and and uh, um, and just we're seeing lately that that they're they seem like they're getting ready to just say yeah let's compromise with the world and let's you know let's change what we believe as Catholics uh, so we're weak right now but there is a surge and you uh, Doug you mentioned you had uh, we had Father Blanton mm -hmm. uh, a while ago and uh, th th I'm going to point to what my T-shirt's all about because. It was this summer that I started going, I, I'm getting hammered by, oh, he's a far right extremist, you know, and he's a radical, you know, and, and that's what they're doing to us, right? And and what does it do? Then people feel, well, they're shamed because they love Jesus and they want to follow the, you know, the teaching of the church. Um, that's what they're trying to do. But instead, what it's doing is, is it's, it is waking people up. And I see what you're doing, and it's the devil that's that's, that's provoking them to do this, and uh, and and we're called divisive because you know we're too extreme, and no, we're not. And that's when I came up with uh, this saying right now: it's unity, right, uh, or unite, like United States almost. But where at the foot of the cross? Now come at me and tell me I'm extremist because just that I want to be at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Mother, right? And so I, I came up with that, and um, I finally got a T-shirt made, too, and everything. Then I get invited to go to uh, the uh, Shrine of Our Lady of Champion uh, for a Flame of Love conference. And that's what Father Blount uh, uh, promotes. And he says, he's an exorcist, he says this prayer right here it, uh, has the power 
to uh, blind Satan. Uh, he says, extremely powerful. You know what the prayer is? The unity prayer, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, talk about convergence and everything that's going on right now. But here's where I'm going with that right now, is that uh, what do we, you know, we always try to uh, conclude uh, what, we, what we're talking about here. What can we do? Let's unite, okay? And, 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 and let's, let's do it uh, in a way that shows people. I always say, you know, John 666, right? The sixth chapter of John, the Bread of Life Discourse, uh, in the 66th verse, it says, that's it, we're out of here, we, that's too much. Uh, many of his disciples left him that day. And I always go, that's that's John 666, that's the number of the beast, they call it, right? Well, what is that? I'll interpret it this way, that the number of the beast means the number that says, I prefer to be just another animal species than a holy child of God, okay? So I'm go I'm out of here. I'm just going to be a that's what they're doing to us. They're conditioning us to believe you're just another animal species, okay? And anybody that says differently is a far-right radical extremist, right? Uh, I'm pointing at me, but everybody is that way. We've got to fight through that. Mm -hmm. And we got to just say, listen, it's not about being far-right or whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever way you want to try to uh, to shame us. Uh, it's not about that. It's just I want to be at the foot of the cross. And you know what comes down from the from our Lord from the foot of the cross is the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay? The blood of Christ that 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 is the mercy and and washes us clean and 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 brings us but what does it bring? It brings hope. It brings peace. It brings joy. It brings love. We've got to be a force to be reckoned with. And I, I'm not talking about picking up guns or anything like that. But uh, and this is the flame of love, this beautiful devotion. I've been kind of putting my toe in the water with it for a while, but I really started looking into it. It's amazing. And the flame of love is the is the flame of the Blessed Mother. Uh, and it's an approved devotion, too. I can't wait to be up there. There's 450 people up the shrine uh, this Friday. But um, but to do what? We're, what are we going to do? We're going to unite with the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross. And I don't know, Mark, can you comment on that? I just I, I just feel like that's the move that we need to make right now. No more compromising with the world, okay? Because that would mean we're away from the foot of the cross. No, we're right at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Mother. What, what, what do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, you know, you, you, Father, you remind me of a word I received many years ago uh, during prayer, and the word was the age of ministries is ending. And it wasn't, it's not that ministry is ending, but this idea of all these ministries that are often in competition, mm. where we kind of right. have worldly models, the way we do things, we work isolated from one another. Look, yep. we're the, we're the body of Christ. And the social and, media attacking of one another. Oh, yeah. 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 It's exhausting. And yeah. you know, I look at the guys over at uh, Catholic and Answers. Just laughing at us as he waltzes in. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, Father. He does. He's he's laughing because we're all so divided. And, you know, yeah. I look at the, what you're doing, uh, what Catholic Answers is doing, uh, Kitty Cleveland and, and other ministries that are out there. And it's it's wonderful. And, and I look at we're all human. We all make mistakes. Um, you know, especially in this field of prophecy, I got to tell you, this is where people really want to, they, they, they want to compete, right? They want to be the one who is the first one to say it, the first one to predict the future. It's, I, I kind of appalled by it. Uh, this isn't a race to be the first to know what we're trying to do is save souls. And um, prophecy is just one of those things. So I think what God is doing is it is really stripping the body of Christ down of everything and i you know that prophecy given at rome to ralph martin in front of pope paul the 6 in 1976 to me is the preeminent prophecy on that website countdown of the kingdom i mean that's the one where jesus says you know he says buildings that are standing now won't be standing and things that you have now are going to be stripped away and once you have nothing then you'll have everything because then you'll only have me. 
Nice. And I remember reading uh, earlier today a, a message Jesus said to, to servant of God, Louisa Picaretta, where he says, do you think I'm concerned about the cities and, and even your churches? He says, no, all of these things can be rebuilt. He said, but once a soul is lost, he said, it's lost forever. That's my concern. So we do, we, as Catholics, we need to start standing up. And I'll tell you, there, there's some guys out in the Catholic realm who've kind of, you know, they've made, they've made a kind of a living off of being the official opposition to Pope Francis and so on. And, and, you know, I struggle with that at times. It's like, well, you know, we have to gather somehow around the vicar of Christ, even though he's challenging all of us with some of the things he says on airplanes and so on. And But even all of these brothers in Christ, we have to find a way to work together, to be right. together. Right. And schism is not the answer. Right. Um, and, and being individualistic is not the answer. The answer is to come with our Blessed Mother and to join her hands. And you're right, at the foot of the cross. Because whether we do it now voluntarily, I tell you, it's going to come in voluntarily. These guys are clear who are running the world right now, that we are to strip ourselves of eating meat, of our cars, of our freedom to move and travel, vaccine passports. That's not a myth. That's not a conspiracy theory. That was passed by the G20 nations that were going to have digital IDs tied to our vaccine status. You don't have to Oops, understand sorry. prophecy to know what is coming is going to strip the church. We are going to go underground. And so we need each other. And so you're right, got Father. Your your shirt is a prophecy tonight. <laughs> We've got yeah, you know. Right. And on that note, that the head of the TSA here in the United States made the statement, you know, several months back that TSA security will be shifting, and eventually, biometric type security systems will be mandatory. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, in order to fly, whether it's retina scans or some other form. They're going the biometric route and it's going to happen. And for people who aren't familiar with World Economic Forum, one of their catchphrases is, by 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy. So they're telling us we'll be happy as they as they strip away ownership of everything. And people would obviously say, oh, that'll never happen. Well, we never thought, especially down here in Texas, you don't think that meat is ever going to be taken away from you. All right. They're trying, like you said, they're moving hard against that and they're moving towards uh, they're building uh, and have built many factories to produce crickets. All right. They're talking about bugs. And this is something that is not just a cute thing or something that some some culture in some other part of the world decides to do as a little delicacy. They want to make that a staple for all of us and remove yeah. the meat. Um, Bill Gates has talked about this. I have a friend who is tied to his cattle rancher in Fort Worth area and also has a cattle ranch in Brazil. And he has said that he has been dealing with this for 20 plus years. And he said there was a time when their arms were out wide. And he says, now their arms are like this and they're just squeezing on us. And this has all been manufactured and planned for a long time. And you're absolutely right, Mark, this is not conspiracy. And people who think that it is are not looking at the signs of the times and they're not paying attention to the little death by a thousand cuts sort of approach that's being taken on us. Little by little, they change laws, change rules. They do it on local government levels. They move a little bit here, a little bit there in a school, in a parish, in a church. All these different things happen little by little and makes it much harder for us to just stand up against it. There's a famous quote from uh, a book on the Holocaust, and I, I cannot remember the name, but I remember the quote. And in general, it was simply this. The question was put to some Holocaust survivors, why didn't you stand up and resist before it got to the point that it did? And they said, because all of the little changes were so incremental and so small along the way, we just couldn't believe that it would last that way. We didn't mm. think it was going to go on that way until the day they made us sew the star onto our clothing. At that point, we knew this has gone too far. But by that point, they were already putting walls up around the ghetto in, in Warsaw and Poland. You know, you saw that they had already entrenched themselves in such a way that resistance was almost impossible in any armed way because they they knew they were just going to be rounded up and eventually they were. And I'm, I, I make that comparison only because of the human nature aspect here is that people... Our human nature is we just don't want to believe that things could be that bad. 
Yeah. We just don't want to believe that that they would shut churches down and not let priests go give last rites to people that were dying in hospitals. But they did, and they will do it again, and they'll do it in a heartbeat. And sadly, while there are many people who have risen up and said, nope, not going to do that again, there are many who will do it again. And Dr. Peter McCullough, who you know has been on the forefront of standing up against some of the medical tyranny that's been going on, has said, this is stage one, what just happened. There are stage two, three, four, five probably coming. And I think, Mark, when you and I were talking earlier today, and you brought it up a little bit ago in the podcast towards the beginning, but you had said to me on the phone, I thought it was a great analogy, a great example, a great word picture there was, this is like labor, and we're in between labor pains. And people think that what we just went through the last few years, oh, that's over now. And I think you said something to the effect of, no, we've got that pause that a woman has before the next labor pain. And those labor pains become more intense and they become more frequent. And, and, it, and, and she starts crying out more. And I just think that's something we've got to be thinking about, that we haven't responded like we could have when this happened three years ago. We, had, we didn't fill the churches. And like you said, people aren't rushing back like they could now that they're open again. A lot of people have said, okay, maybe I just don't need it. Yeah. What do you think about all that, Mark? I just said. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's true because during during COVID, my readership exploded mm. and thousands and thousands of people flocking to the writings. And then, you know, as the restrictions lifted, everybody's kind of like, oh, life's going to go back to normal. Where I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Th this, you know, Bill Gates, in my documentary I did called Following the Science, uh, Bill Gates uh, is, is states at the end of my documentary, you hear him say, um, this pandemic, you know, uh, is one thing, but the, the next one, he says that that'll get their attention. And um, I, I have no doubt, uh, I take him at his word, um, I take because he's all part of the scenario that, you know, took place right before the, the COVID-19 came out and all these things. I mean, these guys, they're all behind this, they're funding all of this. Um and it's actually, you know, as you were speaking about that analogy of the yellow stars and how people, you know, they didn't, they didn't believe, uh, you know, and I told this story, I have an article called our, our 1942. And I talk about how the Hungarians, they had the German soldiers in their streets. And this one guy who escaped from the trains to Auschwitz came back to his village. He says, no, no, he says, they're here to take you away. And, and the people didn't believe them. And they just kept eating their meals and singing their Jewish hymns. And two weeks later, they were all loaded up on trains. Mm. Um, but as you were saying that, and th this is a sobering thing I want to share. And so we'll make sure, Father, we end with a message of hope. You know, and the hope is, of course, if we're in labor pains, there's a new birth coming. So, right. yeah. Right. But, you know, one of the things the Lord said to me early on in the pandemic when I wrote our 1942 is that the spirit of Nazi Germany is not dead. Mm. And I didn't understand it fully. And I started, as I started to write and write more, I began to see that what happened after world war II. many of these scientists and doctors in Nazi Germany, they were put on trial, but they were in prison for a brief time. And then they were incorporated into the United States and other places in what was known as operation a paperclip. So right. many of these Nazi scientists went into pharmaceutical companies that exist till today. So you got to understand that same spirit of evil that was willing to experiment on people, that same spirit of, of genocide is still alive and it's still well. And, you know, this is what makes to me one of the chief prophecies of our times comes from from the scripture revelation chapter 18 where it says your merchants were the great ones of the world and all nations were led astray by your magic potion now if you look at the word magic potion and you go into what it is in the greek that word is pharmakia mm. and the word pharmakia refers to drugs in that day alchemy and so on was a big thing and and drugs were being used but they were they weren't god's natural drugs you know as we read in revelation it says god gave you the leaves of the earth as medicines for you it says in the book of sirach that there are 
these oils, you know, that come from the leaves are in the house of the wise. And Jesus used parables of the Good Samaritan and how he talked about the oil that was used to heal him. And these natural therapies, by the way, Health Canada in our country, and I'm sure the FDA there in your country, are about to clamp down now on natural things. They're making it almost impossible now to sell these. And they're forcing us into pharmacia. They're forcing us into the pharmacies. And we know this entire last three years was conducted by these pharmaceutical companies who, with without any fear of, of impunity, were able to experiment on billions of people uh, in their injections that they used that were were and are still in trials until 2024. This was an experiment on humanity. And as you know, uh, it's gone horrible. And we, we probably can't talk about it. I probably already said things are going to get you banned. But the point is this, the spirit of Nazi Germany is alive and well. Right. And, right. and we're seeing it unfold now. We're seeing it um, in, in this next stage. And as you've probably talked about on your webcast, depopulation is, is it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. This was mm -hmm. talked about by Henry Kissinger. Mm -hmm. You have university academics I've quoted speaking about this, how this is so necessary to reduce the population of the earth and a lot of these billionaires are behind it. And I think what we're seeing right now, maybe this is what Father Oliveira is speaking about in his message. It's starting this October. We are going to see this uh, gradual depopulation really kicking into gear and happening through all of these different man-made things. And, uh, you know, uh, um, these wildfires and all this stuff, I mean, it's absolutely bizarre what is taking place. Yeah. yeah. Can, so, we, can I conclude just by sharing a thought I gave uh, during mm -hmm. my sermon this weekend? I said this. Heralded for almost all of its 247 years, our nation has led the world in its strong morals, character, and values. It would seem the writers of the Constitution were inspired geniuses, yet President John Adams quickly warned in 1798, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, and gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Our Constitution was made only for the moral and religious people. It's time for us to unite. You know, earlier I, uh, I alluded to Vespers and the uh, Magnificat by the Blessed Mother. And I said how it said, he has shown the strength of his already scattered the proud and conceit, cast down the mighties from the throne, the rich he has sent away empty. These are all what we're talking, we're dealing with right now. But how did she start out that particular part of the Magnificat? He has mercy on those who fear him mm -hmm. in every generation. Biblical fear of the Lord is a falling in love. It's filled with awe and wonder. You're my everything, okay? And and again, that's the place we need to be. They scattered, right? The first bishops, they left in silent self-protection, but Mary and John stayed at the foot of the cross. It's time for us to come home. It's time for us to get back to the foot, foot of the cross again. Courageously get back to the foot of the cross because... We are being chastised. We're being persecuted. We're being mocked right now. Are we willing to do that? Let's unite at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to end, if I could, with this unity prayer, speaking of unite, that um, comes from the Flame of Love devotion. If everyone, too, could pray for us, we'll be uh, at the Shrine of Our Lady of Champion this weekend, um, and uh, 450 people, so... Please pray for us. This devotion is spreading like wildfire. The flame of love is of, of the Blessed Mother is spreading like wildfire. And uh, please look into it and consider it. Uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. My adorable Jesus, may our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat 
in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together to gain mercy from our eternal Father. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mark, thank you so much for being on and let's unite yeah. right. Thanks, Mark.